Medford School Committee regular meeting, August 17th, 2020, executive session, 5.15 p.m., remote meeting by Zoom, 6 p.m., regular meeting. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, Gen chapter 30A, section 18, and the Governor's March 15th, 2020 order, imposing strict limitations of the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Medford School Committee will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information in the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with the right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access proceedings in real time via technological means. In the City of Medford and Medford Community Media websites, an audio or video recording, transcript, or the comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. The meeting can be viewed through Medford Community Media on Comcast Channel 22 and Verizon Channel 43 at 5.15 p.m. Since the meeting will be held remotely, participants can log in or call in by using the following link or call-in number. One of the numbers is 929-205-6099. Enter this meeting ID when prompted, prompted 999-3891-9380. Additionally, questions or comments can be submitted during the meeting by emailing medfordsc at medford.k12.ma.us. Those submitting must include the following information, your first and last name, your Medford Street address, your question or comment, Member Graham? Here. Kretz? Here. McLaughlin? Here. Uh, Mastone? Here. Rousseau? Present. Vanderkloot present. Mayor Lungo Kern. Present, seven present, zero absent. Please rise to salute the flag. I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic. Under God, with liberty and justice for all. Member Kretz? Yes, um, I move suspension to go into executive session. A second. Motion to move suspension of the rules to take um, the last item on our agenda out of order. Seconded by Member Vandekloot. Roll call. Uh, uh, Jenny Graham? Yes. Kathy Kretz? Yes. Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Massone? Yes. Paulette Vanderkloot? Yes. Mayor Brianna Lungo-Kern? Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. We are going to go into executive session to go over number 11, negotiations and legal matters to discuss collective bargaining, union contracts, MTA, and non-union contracts. Mayor, point of information? Yes. Uh, so for community members that are on, someone will be here letting them know that we're in executive session and we expect to return around six. Is that accurate? We are going to return as soon as we can. We're going to um, have uh, um, Dr. Cushing. Do you know if, who will be in the regular meeting to let people know or Dr. Vincent? Can somebody stay um, back? I can ask. Yeah, I can ask one of our administrators to 
continue to notify uh, people as you to come in to um, notify them. I can do that right now. Thank you. Thank you. And so the public knows we're going to try to do executive session um, for meetings so that we don't hold um, up people too long. We know how frustrating that is. Hello, everybody. Thank you for your patience. We really tried, but can't seem to get back by six. But thank you for your patience. Um, next up, we have uh, number two, approval of minutes of July 13th, 2020. Is there a motion? Motion to approve the minutes. Motion to approve by Member McLaughlin, seconded by Member Kretz. Roll call. Jenny Graham on the motion. Jenny here. She is here. Um, Member Graham, if you want to unmute yourself. Jenny Graham. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Epstein. Uh, Kathy Kretz. Yes. yes. Melanie McLaughlin. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul Rousseau. Abstain. Uh, Paul Vanderclute, yes. Yes, Medivh, two and two abstaining. I think you missed me. Oh, I'm sorry, Mia. Mia Mastone. Yes. Five in the affirmative, two abstaining. Minutes are approved. Uh, number three, approval of bills, transfer of funds, and approval of payrolls. On the motion? Motion to approve. Member Kretz seconded by Member Vanderclute. Roll call. Um, Jenny Graham? Yes. Kathy Kretz? Yes. Me Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mastone? Yes. Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderclute? Yes. Mayor Lungo Kern? Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. Um, bills and transfer funds approved. Number uh, four. I just want to let Secretary. everybody know that I continue to go in on a weekly basis to sign the bills. Uh, a lot of what I've signed lately was refunds for after school care and other programs. Uh, there really was nothing noteworthy at this time. Thank you. A report of committees. We just have two meetings um, that we need to approve, special meeting committee of the whole, which was July 13th, 2020. And then we also had a special meeting committee of the whole on August 6th, 2020. Motion for approval. By Member Kretz, seconded by Member Vandekloop, roll call. Jenny Graham. Abstain. Kathy Kretz. Yes. Um, Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Um, Mia Mastone? Yes. Paul Rousseau? Abstain. Uh, Paulette Vanderclute? Yes. 
Uh, Mayor Lungo Kern. Yes, five in the affirmative, two abstaining. Paper passes. And number six, you, you Member Rousseau. I, I just would like to clarify why I've decided to start abstaining from certain things. Um, we receive a significant number of documents to read. And in, since we received those documents, we've also received dozens and dozens of emails that are as long as many of the largest documents we receive. I won't vote on a document that I've not had a chance to read. There's not been enough time between when we receive our packets and this meeting to actually have read them all. So I'm abstaining from documents I have not had a chance to read. It is not a reflection of the content or its accuracy. You can also, we can also at any time move to table to the next meeting so that we have more time to read. Um, I, I, I thank you. I saw, certainly thought of that, but um, I'm not sure we want to hit the 12 and 14 hour mark on our meetings. That's why I, <laughs> I opted not to just table them. Thank you. Okay. Um, community participation. We have Ms. Charlene Douglas from the MTA president. Ms. Douglas, are you there? Thank you. Can everyone hear me now? Yes. Can everyone hear me? Thank you. So, uh, Shailene Douglas, um, 414 High Street, Medford, Mass, president of the MTA. First of all, I, I would like to thank everyone for their hard work um, with this unprecedented time. I want to thank central administration, the mayor, school committee, the members of the task force, parents, and everyone for their dedication um, to trying to get to resolve uh, the issues at hand. So every morning, you know, I wake up and I wonder when this montage for this dystopian movie will end. Then I remember that this is not a dystopian movie. This is real life and nothing could have prepared us for the situation we have been all thrust into. At the August 6th school committee meeting, I spoke on behalf of the teachers and their safety concerns for returning to any type of in-person instruction. After I finished speaking, your silence was deafening and demonstrated to the public and to the Method Teachers Association that our voices were ignored and undervalued. Please understand that as the elected voice of these educators, that I speak for all 472 members. A committee member that evening stated that I only spoke about the safety of the teachers, which while this is somewhat true, in my letter, I referenced student safety 19 times and educators nine times. Thus, the method educators are concerned with the safety of all. Soon after this meeting, the district published a 120-page document entitled COVID-19, Frequently Asked Reopening Questions, where teachers were disparaged and told they had done a poor job at remote learning instruction last spring. Educators were put into an impossible situation with no training and conflicting information and guidance from DESE to teach remotely. They went home on March 12th, and until June 15th, did the best they could what they were provided during this time. Educators went out and purchased better computer systems, upgraded their internet broadband, and purchased their own materials online to support their students' learning in the community of method. 
Given what we have learned from the spring, we know that we could do a better job given the proper amount of time, training, and resources to create a robust remote learning situation. Our concern is that we are running out of time to create a safe learning and comprehensive educational learning environment. Since last week, I know that many of you have received numerous letters from teachers and staff of the public schools. I have read many of those letters and I can state without reservation that each teacher wants what is best, both for the education and safety of each student in our community. Their letters were strong and heartfelt, showing that we want what everyone wants, and that is to provide an authentic learning experience in these troubled times. The learning. We know we can do this. We can only do this when it is safe to do so. We need to know that our safety concerns have been addressed regarding HVAC, air quality and circulation, broken and clogged vents, windows without screens, broken sinks, lack of hot water, malfunctioning heating and air conditioning units, units, just to name some of our concerns. Let me reiterate from my previous letter, while we recognize that in-person learning is not the best model, public safety has always been the first priority in education. Because of the danger, remember, of fire, we interrupt education to practice facing the danger as we perform fire drills throughout the year. Because of the danger of school shootings, we interrupt education to practice facing that danger when we perform lockdown drills. We even cancel education when the weather poses a threat. COVID-19 is an ever-present threat to the safety of our community. It is more dangerous and less predictable than the weather. It is hidden, it is aggressive, it is highly contagious, and we know it kills. As we learned this week with the cancellation of graduation, method quickly moved from green to yellow. We fear that we will soon be in the red. At this time, it is the opinion of the Method Teachers Association that the only way to start safe to open, reopen schools and keep them open is to start remotely for, for all, as many of our sister cities have done. <clears throat> Sorry. And gradually work our way to a full reopening based on conditions in our schools, scientific data and public health benchmarks. We believe in safety for all. Also tonight, the Method, Public, the Method Teachers Association would like to welcome David Murphy, Assistant Superintendent of Finance to our district. We look forward to working with you, Dave, Mr. Murphy, as we continue through this process. As a citizen of Medford and as a president of the MTA, I would like to request an independent audit of the Medford school's budget. There are many inaccuracies within this budget that was presented back in June. For sake of time, I will not go into those inaccuracies, but I have shared that with the school committee members and the mayor and administration on numerous times. This is an imperative that we see an accurate account of the school budget for the 2020-2021 school year. We need to know where money, where the monies are, and we need to understand it. We need to see previous years and we need to see this year's in comparison. We did not see that. 
I want to thank you for your time. We look forward to continuing to work together. And I hope that all of our questions will be answered tonight by the school committee and that the school committee agrees to a full remote start until it's safe to return to in-person learning. And I will gladly any, answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Douglas. Um, we have member Van de Kloot and then member McLaughlin. Thank you, Mayor. Um, uh, Charlene and to all of our teachers, I just want to start off by saying how much we value our teachers and that became so, so clear to so many citizens and, and, you know, around the country, not just in Medford, when all of a sudden parents uh, had to step in and um, help educate their children at home. And without any doubt, there were um, some exceptional, we still get uh, emails about teachers who did such an outstanding job and who I'm just so floored with how um, they were able to successfully do uh, remote learning. Um, but we also received some, some areas where, where not everybody, and understandably, because in some ways, you know, this was, like you said, teachers were thrown into it. Many teachers wrote us, and I realized that uh, uh, there was great hurt that we didn't acknowledge what you said the last time. And I just want to say, you know, there are times when it's a little overwhelming sitting here, and there's so many different things that we're hearing. Um, one of the things that I wrote back to the people who I was able to get back to was, I said, I hear you. I hear you. I'm listening. I'm actively concerned. Um, and that, um, that, that is the most important thing. I hope now, today, after this meeting, we will be able to start on a more positive path of everybody coming together. We are in this together. It has been such an incredibly painful period of time, um, not only for our country, but for our community, where there seems um, such division. And in this time, it's just so important to remember and to keep on going and saying, we are in this together. We all want the best for each other. This is tough stuff. I've been on the school committee for 31 years. I have never had to deal with the level of complexity and issues and unknowns. It is also a fluid situation. And because it's fluid and moving, um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because we're not giving you all the answers probably that you want tonight. It's frustrating because we're gonna create new unknowns as we speak tonight. Um, and we're asking everybody to hold on, to bear with us. We're doing the best we can. We wanna work with the teachers. We wanna work with parents. It is one of those situations where no matter what we do, we're not gonna make everybody happy, but we're trying our best. So Charlene, thank you for your work. Thank you to the teachers uh, who you represent. Um, thank you for all those who wrote us emails. Uh, if I didn't get back to you, I certainly am reading them. Um, sometimes the day is just overwhelming itself. Um, so I, I wanted to say that and um, uh, express that to you. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Member Vandekloot. Member McLaughlin? Thank you. Um, thank you, Ms. Douglas, for your comments last uh, on August 6th and for tonight. And um, I also wanted to just apologize. Um, I think I was so in the moment at the 8-6 meeting that I wasn't uh, thinking clearly and wanted to apologize to the teachers and um, also let them know we hear you. We know that 
you have very genuine concerns for safety. Um, and we appreciate you coming to the table and sharing your opinion with us. And we should always um, remember uh, to thank really, you know, anyone who comes before the school committee to speak, um, and especially someone who's speak, speaking on behalf of so many employees. So thank you. I also just wanted to share for a moment, we did get dozens and dozens and dozens of letters. Um, and so same, if I haven't gotten back to folks, I will. Um, thank you for reaching out and writing, especially, um, you know, after some of the experience we've had in the past few weeks, and maybe not feeling as heard, people were still willing to reach out and write, which I thought was really poignant. I know that our community members uh, uh, don't necessarily see the letters that are written to us, but I wanted to share a couple of things that uh, were stated in some of the letters. I won't say anyone's name, of course, but um, things that resonated with me. Um, we can sacrifice a few more months of in-person learning. We cannot sacrifice the lives of staff, student, and their families. That was one letter. Another, I am currently X weeks pregnant. I am terrified to return to work. That was another letter. Although I am fortunate to be teaching in a renovated part of the high school, the remainder of the building is exceptionally inadequate in regards to ventilation. I thought that was poignant that somebody who is in a, in a position uh, advocating for their colleagues in the building. Um, I thought this was really important. I want you to know that I care for my job dearly. If you had told me that I would feel adverse to in-person teaching a few months ago, I wouldn't believe it. The thought of not returning in person brought tears to my eyes. I think we all want our kids in person teaching. We do know um, that it is the most effective means of teaching, um, but I think that you know the concerns are very real and that I'm encouraging our community uh, to really focus on compassion for one another. I think there's, I've seen a lot on social media and elsewhere um, around blame and blaming people for our situation or for their position or the evolution of their position or any number of things. And I would say um, to member Van de Glute's point, we are all in this together. Um, many of us have our own children that we're uh, concerned with. We you know, had an incident in this uh, past week that's been very concerning for our community um, and I wanna see us working together. Um, teaching in person, two more comments. Teaching in person will be a radically different experience from that before COVID-19. Students will encounter teachers attired in full PPE, never seeing their teachers' faces. Students will not be able to get individual attention due to spacing requirements. Group work of any kind will be impossible. I cannot begin to imagine the social emotional strain that this will put on students. I've seen a picture of student of one of our uh, teachers in their full PPE. It is daunting. Um, the idea that you know going back to school is going to be a return to normal right now is just not going to be the case, as we can all see. And then lastly, um, this comment. And again, these are not my comments. These are comments from letters that were sent to us. We have lost precious time this summer arguing about how to return to school. We should have been focusing on giving our students the best remote learning experience possible. And with that, I'll say, I'm sorry, Charlene, that, uh, and to the teachers that we did not address you in the last meeting. And I hope that we will have more community participation in this meeting so that we can hear everyone's concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Member McLaughlin. Member Graham. Um, thanks, Charlene, for your note and for all the people who have responded to us. Um, I didn't vote on the minutes because I prioritized reading every word of all of those emails um, and then a little bit of my day job today. <laughs> so the minutes just didn't make it. Um, but, you know, some of the things that you're talking about in your comments, Charlene, they're not about COVID. They're about the ways that we've de deprioritized education for 
many, many, many years. So the, the maintenance issues that you're citing, those are not, those are not COVID caused issues. They are caused by a budget that's not sufficient for the support that is required um, to support our students and our teachers. And it's why I was jumping up and down on the desk proverbially, and maybe even sometimes literally <laughs> in my own home, um, all spring. It's why I feel like a three and a half million dollar budget cut was a bad idea. It's why I said no to the budget. Um, it's not super hard to see that as you continue to cut and cut and cut, um, these are the, these are the, that's the, this is the fallout um, and it's not okay. And I will say that COVID has something that I am seeing is um, your window was broken when you were teaching and we can acknowledge that those windows need to open and we can get them fixed. Um, that wasn't a COVID issue. Um, if we are able to fix it um, for any reason at all, it's a fixed window. So I'm glad that we will um, come out of this someday, eventually, um, perhaps having a deeper appreciation for the role our physical buildings have in education um, and safety and um, I don't want any teacher to think for a minute that their safety is not the very or the last thing I think about at night because it is. Um, it's not just you all. It's my kids. It's your kids. It's everyone's kids. And, um, you know, as we go through this, sadly, um, I, I want to set your expectations that we don't have all the answers you want tonight. <laughs> We just don't. And um, we're going to continue to have to say that, unfortunately, because things are changing so rapidly. Um, but also, I just want to point out that we're asking really hard questions. And the really hard question that we're asking, actually, is to reinvent something that hasn't changed in 100 years and to do so in three to six months. And I, I change process and organizations for a living. And I'm here to tell you that no one does this in this short amount of time under this sort of condition or stress. Um, it's just, it's a really impossible situation. So we'll continue to work through it together. And I, I believe that. Um, but it will continue to be imperfect. And if we could do anything but, I would be the first one to find that way and I'll continue to try. But um, unfortunately, uh, I think imperfect is just our, the state of affairs until maybe we wake up one day and it's not quite so uh, problematic. Thanks. Thank you, Member Graham. Member Kretz? Hi. Oh, thank you, Ms. Douglas, for coming this evening and speaking. And I do want to echo what my colleagues have already said. Um, I think the, the last meeting, it was so long and it was so overwhelming. I didn't even remember voting. I, I just remembered like the meeting was over. I'm like, 
did we vote? I don't remember voting. And I'm sorry that we didn't give you the opportunity to speak that, you know, that evening. And I'm glad that you got the opportunity to speak tonight. And I, I've read the emails from the teachers that are coming in. We've also gotten some emails from parents and, you know, I hear and I read all the concerns and, you know, it's just, there's so much to take in and it's just been every day, just so much worry. I can imagine everybody's have the same worry that I can't sleep and I, I don't know what to do. And it's just, it's overwhelming. And the COVID situation is changing um, ever so quickly. The, the graduation cancellation last week. And, um, you know, I think it's just something that it's unpredictable. And, you know, we just don't, we don't know enough about it. And there's so many unknowns. Um, I just wanted to thank all the teachers and parents and emails um, from everybody. Um, you know, I hear you. I'm listening to all your concerns. Thank you once again, Ms. Douglas. Thank you. Thank you, Member Kretz. Um, if I may just, I know my colleagues said a lot, if I may from the chair, just say that, you know, um, I think it's been said, August um, 6th was a no-win situation. So for me, I heard you, believe me, I heard you. I sat in every steering committee and operations meeting with a number of teachers every, um, every day almost we had a meeting, Charlene, you were in most of them. And from those conversations, I, you know, I knew that there was major concerns and the Friday before the meeting or a couple of days before the meeting, mayors were on the phone talking about um, making sure that our most vulnerable children were back and staggering the approach. So it wasn't a new idea to me necessarily, although it was just a matter of days and then we got the superintendent's recommendation and member Graham's motion a little late. Um, I did, it's not that I didn't think it through over the last several days. We are in a no win situation. On the sixth, never mind what happened this week with graduation. There is just one thing after another we are getting hit with over and over and over again. We know how hard our teachers work. We know how hard they they adapted um, with remote. We know we need to perfect remote. Um, we see ourselves getting into a situation that is different from the sixth as far as the level set by um, the governor and which color we're in. And now we have to make different des decisions and obviously update our buildings, but we will get there. We're going to work hard. I know the union will, the administration's working their butts off. We're having eight plus hour meetings um, and it's just a grind, but we will get there together and um, we'll adapt and collaborate and do the best we can for our teachers as well as our students. Member Graham. Um, Charlene, I wanted to mention as well that I, I think it was our, our July meeting. Um, we introduced a motion, um, Member Rousseau and I, to conduct a full audit of um, our budget process and really everything under the authority of the school committee. And I believe that passed unanimously at that time. So that's actually in the works. Um, it's being done by Andy Paquette, who is a, an independent consultant. Um, and I have extremely high hopes, not only for the cleanup that will happen, um, but also the clarity with which we'll be able to present future budgets. So I am excited about that. 
Um, I know you and I have talked about that kind of thing on a number of occasions and we're on it. Thank you. Ms. Douglas. Can you see? Yes, now I can speak. I want to thank everyone. And I do believe me, there is, I truly understand everything that everyone is going through. And like I started with this, it really is. We are in a dystopian society. Really, that's what we are in. And Jenny Graham, to your questions, you're right. Education has been underfunded for years and years and years. The, the, the fixing of the buildings, the screens, the things, many, many things. We're here, as a, we're here, not here as your options. We want to work with you. We want to make things right. You know, I, I, I've stopped, and you were in those steering committees, you know, and I was insulted. I was called a babysitter. And there were numerous things. I never, ever, ever sunk to that level. Never. We never sunk the level of what we've been called but i think what happened that week was just it was just too much and my phone flooded and i'm you know what we really truly truly need to understand is we want to make sure it is safe we want to make sure the budget is accurate that's what we want we want to make sure we are doing the best for everyone in this city that's what we want you know by me Forcing remote, people say, oh, it doesn't affect. It really does affect me more than you can even begin to imagine. If we do go remote, my sister will not be back to work. My sister is only one of the few people that was furloughed. She is a cafeteria worker. We know. So the impact on my family is just as huge as it is on everyone in this room. My nephew going, I don't. Don't you think I want a kindergarten at a start? and be with his friends, the last thing I want him to do. But there are compromised positions in my family. And those things, my, my circles are down to here. We want, I'm making, I, I want to understand. I want to understand the budget. I want to understand, you know, what is really, really happening. And I want honesty, open communication, and transparency. I am the most transparent person you've ever met. And I don't think anyone here in this room could say that I wouldn't share with you something prior to making it public. I don't think anyone can say that. So I'm asking for that same respect for all of us. That's what I'm asking. And I thank you for acknowledging, and I, we do want to continue to work together, but really not until it's safe. And that's all I can say. And thank you all for all your kind words. Thank you, Ms. Douglas. Um, Member Rousseau, I know you mentioned, mentioned all the emails and we all have, so I don't, I don't think we're gonna read those emails, but is there any that, is, that have come in for the, to the Medford SC um, over the last hour? Uh, one one moment while I check. Um, I have to close my email so that the dinging will stop while I'm in the meeting. Um, let's see. Um, yes, let me just take a quick peek and see if the topic is related to this. Um, okay, yes. Um, it is an email from um, Leticia Rocha, uh, 3610, Mr. Uh, in Mystic Valley Parkway in Medford. Um, and she has the following questions. I don't know if we should do them now. I'll just read them now. I don't know that we will have answers necessarily, but there's a few questions here. 
Um, why was the staggered hybrid plan revealed to us during the last school committee meeting with no prior community input and without giving us a chance to provide input before voting on it? Um, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 14 okay, maybe, questions. Maybe we should. Um, Many of these I think are already actually contained in the FAQ. Um, yeah. I'll read them now and then as we move along in the meeting, um, I will, if there's anything that still needs to be answered, I will bring it back up if that sounds good. Yep, or you can shoot that to the administration and we can get the answers to her within a matter of maybe 24 hours. I don't know, it, it's up to you. Um, yeah, I, I, because I just barely got it a moment ago, I, I haven't really had a chance to read it. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll interject if, okay. if it seems the right thing to do. Okay, thank you. We have next up the report of the superintendent. Good evening, everyone. And I too wanna um, just acknowledge Charlene, uh, Ms. Douglas, the MTA president, and we were in meetings today as well, which I will get to a little later. So for report of the superintendents, um, uh, as we've begun this journey, there were three guiding pillars that I always talked about, which always were safety, consistency, and equity that would be the core values that um, led the work that we did. So um, Saturday, uh, I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge our Mustang class of 2020. Um, Although it wasn't what we intended and it might not have been perfect, we wanted to acknowledge and recognize our class of 2020 from Medford High School. So um, there were a lot of people that worked really hard in the background to make Saturday take place. And I just wanna acknowledge um, Mr. Blauk, uh, who uh, was the senior assistant principal who really worked hard, Principal DeLeva, Principal Fallon, Principal Kingsley, um, the class of 2020 advisors, Nancy Donlin and Joseph Donlin, um, Dr. Cushing, Mayor, School Committee, uh, Marianne O'Connor, who's the Director of our Board of Health, and Ms. Tony Ray, um, our Director of Health Services. As everyone was aware, um, we had to make, uh, we had to be very fluid, very flexible and nimble last week. I want to thank from the TV studio, Mr. Patrick Gordon and Catherine Darnell of Medford Community Media, who really, um, you know, in, in short order, got everything and set up the space. And, you know, I want to acknowledge um, John McLaughlin and Michael McLaughlin, Lisa Bowler, people who were working in the background, Lisa Evangelista, Alice Beth Fitzpatrick. Um, that's part of just our Medford team here that really was working in the background to, to make it happen. So we had our graduation ceremony Saturday in the TV studio. And um, in short order, we had our student speakers speak. Um, and immediately following the graduation, we did our best to deliver as many diplomas as possible. But um, we had Elijah Fortune, who was the voice of Medford High, and Catherine Brosnahan, who sang. We had our class president, Mark Allen Jean Mary, 
And um, on the vocational side of the house, our top ranked student was Catherine Lee. Our salutatorian was Rachel Klein. Our valedictorian was Albert Farah. And I just wanna you know, congratulate them, but congratulate all of the class of 2020. I wanna thank everyone who was involved, all of our speakers and guest speakers who participated um, and just brought encouraging words to our students. I wanna thank um, the school committee. I wanna thank teachers, administrators, coaches, the Mustang community who came out on Saturday to volunteer and personally hand deliver um, diplomas. And the ones that we weren't successful, we did bring them back to the school, but we were able to surprise a lot of people. And so again, it wasn't perfect, but we celebrate you. You are the class of 2020. And I am, you know, so proud of all of you that we made it to that point. Um, but I do want to uh, just touch base a little bit because when we talk about safety, and having to really be nimble and flexible, uh, we had to change our plans because of what's going on right now. Our metrics have changed. So our director of nursing, Ms. Uh, Tony Ray, um, she will discuss later in the agenda where we are with COVID and possibly Marianne O'Connor from the Medford Board of Health um, will really be able to um, give additional specifics but um, we're going to continue to follow the guidance from Governor Baker and what we're um, advised to make sure that we are keeping our entire community safe and healthy. So um, we need to make sure that we are following hand washing and, and following social distancing and keeping our masks um, very close and handy when we are in large groups of people. So I just wanted to um, say that there will be more detailed information about that coming up I want to thank all of our families out there in Mustang Nation to let them know that thus far um, for our reopening of school survey, we've had over 3,800. You will have a more detailed report, but we were so excited to see such a phenomenal response from the community in a very short period of time. So we thank you so much for that feedback. Um, on a uh, different note, yearbook notes, where even though we weren't able to end the year the way we wanted to, Medford High School uh, and the McGlynn Middle School, your yearbooks went out. The Andrews uh, Middle School, there was a slight glitch with printing but the, um, I believe that got resolved. And so the books were being distributed last week. If by any chance students did not receive their yearbooks, please reach out to your principal so that we can get it to you. I also too would just like to formally welcome Mr. David Murphy, who's the board as our new assistant superintendent of finance and operations. We are really looking forward to his um, support Attorney Murphy um, began his duties last week, and um, we are just glad that he's part of Mustang community and is really going to just help us, you know, put things in order the way they need to be. So I'm looking forward to that. So welcome again, David, to the team. I also want to thank uh, Mayor Lungo Kern, uh, the Roberts Elementary School, and the Columbus Elementary School. They both are going to see road improvements around their campuses. So the Massachusetts Department of Transportation 
recently awarded the city um, $15,000 to implement to implement safe routes to school enhancements around um, two elementary schools. So both of those projects aim to improve pedestrian access and safety, as well as provide measures to slow vehicle traffic down around the buildings. So um, we're happy that that's going to be happening and we look forward to seeing what those changes look like. I also just want to say um, thank you to Mayor Longo Kern, um, Fallon Ambulance, the Board of Health, the Mass Department of Public Health, because due to our uh, situation here in Medford, we had emergency COVID testing today. We had Mustang Nation came out. Specifically, we were targeting students at the high school level, their parents, and any people that their families came in contact with. We were um, earmarking and targeting that age group. And so today, um, the line wrapped, it was in the West Courtyard from 2 to 7.30 p.m., so they should be winding down right now. But the line of vehicles wrapped all the way around to the front of the building, heading toward the vocational side. So additional testing will also be taking place tomorrow, Tuesday, from 2 to 7.30 p.m. at the high school and on Wednesday. So I want to thank again Fallon Ambulance, um, Massachusetts Department of Public Health, Mayor Lungo Kern and our own Board of Health, Nurse Tony Ray, everyone who was involved in coordinating the COVID testing. This is um, free testing um, that's being offered uh, to help uh, us get a, a, a better understanding of where our numbers are. So again, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday from 2 to 7.30 p.m., we are encouraging all high school students and their families and uh, members of the community that they have come in contact with to please come participate in free COVID testing. Again, this is free testing and we are targeting high school students tomorrow from two to 7.30 and Wednesday as well. So please come out, get tested. If you're not sure, please come and take advantage of the testing. At this time, I would also um, like to make a recommendation to the school committee. Um, based on the metrics that have changed and the decisions that were made at the December 6th um, meeting, which we did submit to DESE, um, the statistics that are trending right now where we are currently um, in yellow, and as we're continuing to have additional information, due to the metrics changing, I am making a recommendation to the school committee. And my recommendation would be that um, we would look at remote instruction for um, the majority of our students, um, keeping in mind that our most vulnerable, our high needs uh, that were classified by the state as high needs, but what I would refer to as our most vulnerable students, um, that is still a targeted um, population that I really want us to continue to um, see if we would be able to service our most vulnerable. So my recommendation to the school committee this evening is to look at remote instruction um, 
for uh, the remainder of the school, our most vulnerable students, which are the five groups that DESI identified, um, our students, uh, specific students with special needs, students that are newcomers who are English learners, possibly our level one and level two students, our homeless students, our students that are in foster care, our early childhood students, our Curtis Tufts students. And in our most vulnerable, um, this is just a request that I am making of the school committee. I would also like to consider including our kindergarten students and uh, in hybrid instruction or how we had originally planned with the opening of school. And my reason is some of them have not had the benefit of going to preschool. Um, and I would like to see them to have an opportunity to be able to develop some of their readiness skills. Um, many of them may not be able to use technology at this point in time, but my recommendation again would be um, for the school committee to allow um, our most vulnerable students, including kindergarten, to begin school um, on the 16th of uh, September and that for the remaining grades, to be remote instruction um, until we are able to, um, you know, the school committee is able to re-examine possibly after a month or a day of your choosing sometime in October to look at our metrics at that point in time and see where we are as a community and um, make a decision at that point in time. So that is my recommendation to the school committee. And, you know, I'm awaiting your response or your feedback. Member McLaughlin. Thank you. I would like to make a motion that we do not take a vote on the superintendent's recommendation until we have community feedback um, on the recommendation in this meeting. Second. Motion. Um, by Member McLaughlin, seconded by Member Graham. Roll call. On that motion, Jenny Graham? Yes. Kathy Kretsch? Yes. Um, Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mistone? Yes. Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderclude? Yes. Mayor Lungo Kern? Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. Paper passes. Do we want to take that up now or do we want to? Um, I know, I think my board of health director is on, our board of health director is on the call. I don't know if we want to take any other matters up first, or do you want to do this? Take recommendations of the committee. Mayor. Member Van Kloot, then Member McLaughlin. I think it would make sense um, if we could hear um, from the board of health, and I, I think that that would make sense for us to proceed with that and then come back to this, if that was acceptable to the superintendent. Yes. Member McLaughlin. I was also going to offer mayor. Um, I am willing to take two of my agenda items off the table and um, push them to the next meeting uh, so that we can have more time. Um, so if that's agreeable to the um, committee, I would be willing to take um, 
the good of the order off of the table and um, actually I would keep just one, the good of the order I would take off the table. Mayor. Yes, Member Van de Kloot. Okay, so number, there's no motion on the floor. So we're going to go to number two, COVID-19 update report and alpha med COVID care application, Tony Ray and Michael Downs, as well as um, Board of Health Director, Marian O'Connor. What order would you like us to go? Um, please. Okay. Um, I know last week was tough um, and I made a, a tough decision. Um, came out of the blue. Uh, we had been, you know, in the green and the yellow. We were doing pretty well. Um, situation came to my attention. Uh, a lot of unknowns. Um, a lot of unknowns, a lot of people, um, we weren't sure if the information we were getting was correct. Uh, we weren't sure of the uh, actual spread or uh, contacts because the in information we were getting was varied. Um, so I had to make a tough decision and, and I know it was tough. Uh, it, it was awful. Um, but this is a pandemic and we're going to have to make tough decisions and we're going to have to live with them and, but we're going to have to make them. So I chose uh, at that point when, when I knew there were too many unknowns um, that we had to cancel graduation, there was no way that I could have 500 people uh, together, not knowing the extent of what we were dealing with. Um, that being said, so yeah, our cases have, have risen. Um, you know, we were trending really well. Um, since August 12th, we've had 19 cases, uh, 11 of which we can tie back to uh, the situation we were dealing with. Um, and we still, you know, we, we expect there's more to come. So uh, right now, our, we are trending um, in the wrong direction. And we are heading into the red. Uh, I will not know, we will not know till the state's data comes out Wednesday. Um, but we are on the cusp of the high yellow, if not the red right now. Um, and the state has said, based on those metrics right now, if you're in the red, you're remote. Um, you have no choice. So um, how long, thank God uh, we had a great response today to the testing and, and thank you for everyone that came out. I know there was a long line, I know, you know, uh, an hour, hour and a half waiting was, was not, you know, preferable. Uh, but we did have a great overwhelming response and we were able to contact the state and get additional testing for tomorrow and Wednesday, which is amazing. Um, so that will take place. And we encourage, like the superintendent said, please, please come out for your contact. Um, you know, we, I, I don't know why there are some folks who, you know, are, uh, know their contacts of positive cases and are refusing to acknowledge that or refusing to get tested. And um, that's a problem. So um, we need people to, to really think about the community as a whole um, and, you know, 
put things aside and, and get tested. Um, because we know there are folks who have been out there uh, not doing the right thing, frankly. Uh, not waiting for their test results, not quarantining until their test results came back. Um, and, and it's caused uh, these additional cases. So we're trending in the wrong direction right now, people, and, and we need to, to get this under control. So I encourage everyone to get out for testing uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I know last week was tough. I think the, the administration did an amazing job in pulling off the graduation that they did on Saturday. And again, I know uh, it was a tough decision, um, but it's a pandemic and um, those decisions have to be made. So, so yeah, 12 cases since August, uh, 19 cases since um, August 12th. And um, that's, not, that's not a good thing. Uh, I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you, um, Mary Ann O'Connor. Thank you, um, Member McLaughlin. Thank you, thank you, Mary Ann. I think you pretty much every day, but I want to pose them because I've certainly been hearing them, and I think that they're really important. So, is there any? Um, one question is, Is there? do we have any recourse if people are testing positive and refusing to quarantine and potentially or very likely infecting others? So that's one question. And then the other question is, when the state says we're red and uh, remote, um, do we know whether or how that applies to um, our uh, most vulnerable students uh, in terms of... Uh, Learning, so I'm wondering about those two things could help. Thank you. So the question was, is there any recourse that you're aware of if somebody is tested positive and continues not to quarantine? Just trying uh, to figure out how to unmute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Still getting good at this. Um, so yes, I mean, uh, it's the last resort. We don't like to do it, but we can we can literally um, order um, quarantine and isolation for people. Um, you don't want to do that. You hope people will just comply. But yes, uh, we do have that ability. Um, and honestly, we could put a police guard outside if we had to. Um, again, that's an extreme and, and something that we just want people to comply. We don't want to have to go to this extreme enforcement um, it uh, means, but we will if we have to. Um, and secondly, as far as I know, if you're red, you're all remote. Um, I don't think there there is a provision um, for the most vulnerable um, at this point. As far as I know, uh, let's say he said, if, if we're red, we're remote. So uh, unless it's further guidance from Desi, um, but that's my Thank knowledge you. right now. Thank you. And just a quick follow up to that was, so um, I know that there were a couple of other events. I know that that was a really tough decision for the graduation. And I also want to congratulate the class of 2020 and also thank my colleagues who um, delivered um, uh, 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 diplomas in person, which was really thoughtful. Um, and, and so I know that there were a couple of other events that occurred at the high school that weekend and people were really upset about that. Can you, um, address that at all for us and how that might have been, how, how that was determined or do you know, Marianne? Yeah, 
Uh, uh, well, I think those events were um, unfortunately not communicated, um, but again, they were totally unrelated. What we were dealing with were high school students, uh, families, isolated, um, really, really around the high school class. Uh, I think the event that occurred had nothing to do with the high school class. Um, so although it wasn't communicated, um, it was unrelated, if that makes any sense. It does, but just as a follow-up, are there any guidance for, is there any guidance for if we're in the red or the high yellow for these sort of events so that we are aware? How, how do we, what's... So um, right now the red and the yellow, the green, the white um, are kind of new um, protocols, but uh, like there are specific guidance for each type of event. So yard sale, if you want to consider that's what happened this weekend, um, they are allowed. Uh, under current guidance um, with specific, obviously, social distancing, masks, you know, that type of thing. Um, so those events are allowed at this point. Um, whether you whether in the red, uh, if that, that has a, an effect that hasn't been made clear to us by the state at this point. And um, Ms. O'Connor, I know there was the, the swap which you addressed, and then there was a ceremony, the church began, and they submitted a plan. So if you could just explain that situation. So, yeah, sure. Prior to um, uh, I had approved the church to, to take place um, because they had the guidelines that they were following, like all the houses of worship have guidance right now, um, as long as they can provide social distancing, and um, the cleaning and doing the, the right oh, things, um, damn the, that is allowed. But now if this, you know, what transpired last week um, puts us into the red, we may have to review that. Thank you. Member Vanderkloot? Yes, I just wanted to say that I had, um, I know there was some concern that came up over the, um, the swap um, the organizers did in fact get, get, you know, approval from the board of health. They followed all, it was in the West courtyard. They, um, it was timed. They followed all of the, um, uh, safety mass, um, more than six feet. There are only a very limited number of people. I talked to, to people today about it specifically, um, and was reassured that, uh, it had, um, uh, gone well and been appropriate as well. Um, and I also was told that there were many families who hadn't come before. Um, you know, now there were many more families of need. And I think that um, um, it was useful for them to be able to pick up uh, the many um, good condition donated uh, clothing and uh, um, other things that were available for them. So um, I, while I know it, there was some objection to it, I think that... Um, uh, we almost need to separate the two and realize that they were not the same. It was two very different um, right. concerns. I, 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 I agree. And they weren't related. Right. Member McLaughlin. Yeah. I just had one follow-up question. Um, if you could, um, Marianne addressing the, I know that we couldn't do the Hormel because of the situation, the specific situation um, that you're talking about with the, um, 
with the folks who were testing positive. Um, and there was a recommendation for the drive up. Can you help families understand the drive up graduation? I apologize, but I know that families want. Um, I know, I, 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 I'm sure they do. And I, I, I absolutely understand that. But um, again, there was so many unknowns um, last week and um, we're just getting a lot more information now. And I, I just couldn't in good, I, I, I just couldn't, I didn't know. Um, and I wasn't gonna risk anything um, at this point. Our numbers, uh, like I said, we're, we're trending in the right direction. Um, I understand people think, you know, the drive up would have been a safer, but in some situations like the drive up, maybe yes, but then they drive away and they jump off and they grab pitches together. And I, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, couldn't risk it. I apologize, but I couldn't. There was too many unknowns and more is coming to light, you know, every day. And, uh, and I feel good about my decision, honestly. Thank you for all the hard work you're doing. If there are no other questions, um, I know Ms. Ray and Mr. Downs is also on the call. And thank you, Ms. O'Connor. Sure. I'll let Ms. Ray go first. Okay, I, I first just, I wanna thank Mary Ann for all of her hard work and in helping us organize our testing sessions. Um, um, I know there we had a lot of interest. Um, we did not expect the interest to be so high today, and I'm very grateful that she was able to work out two more testing sessions. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, I, I do want to just, before I get into the uh, COVID care app, I just sure they are following all of the public health guidelines very closely. Um, if you were a close contact of anyone who tested positive, please get yourself tested at one of the upcoming testing sessions. And please continue your quarantine until you receive your negative, re your hopefully negative results. Um, continue with the strict prevention strategies. Wear your cloth face masks, maintain physical distancing of six feet, frequent hand washing, limit your social engagements as much as possible. And absolutely avoid heavily populated events and venues. We, in order to get our schools, our children back to school at some point in the near future in a safe manner, that requires diligent and faithful adherence to the prevention strategies. Okay, thank you. So now I will talk about the, um, the COVID health screening guidelines and we are very excited to announce our partnership with Alpha Software um, as another strategy to ensure the health and safety of all of the members of the Medford Public Schools when we return to in-person learning. This web-based and mobile app called Alpha Med COVID Care will be translated into several languages and is available free of charge to all families and staff. Team metrics in accordance with the Mass Department of Public Health and the CDC regulations. Michael, would you like to explain how this will work? Yes, actually, I'm going to share my screen so that they can see what the app would look like. Thank you, uh, Mayor, School Committee, and Superintendent, for 
having uh, myself and Tony Ray on here. This app um, is a collaborative effort and it's, we really investigated this app based on the input of the operations team and also listening to parents and faculty. And of course, as you know, many of us administrators are also parents and educators. So we want the, the safety of our students and our staff to be first and foremost. Uh, this app is, as Ms. Ray said, is HIPAA compliant. It is HIPAA secure through encryption on Amazon servers. There is no personal data saved on the app. It can be web-based or through the app on a mobile device, any mobile device will work. And if I hope everyone can see my screen and basically it asks you a series of questions. And what you do is I'm going to give a demonstration and hopefully it works. Uh, I'm gonna say no, no. And then it, when if you have a fever and I'm just gonna kind of go through the line here and then, and what is your current temperature? One of the things I want to show you is how did you take your temperature? For those of you that there are different ways to take your temperature and based on how you take your temperature will dictate whether or not you have a fever. So I am going to say uh, my temperature is 99 degrees and I took it using an oral thermometer. Once I hit submit, this the it clears out so it is not again it's not saved so let's say i drop my phone or my device nobody's going to see what i have inputted on this app or on the web browser for our students uh, the app they're lasted so that it's not identifying and i'm gonna hit submit here and hope it works wait a minute i didn't ask oh, oh i didn't answer all the questions you gotta answer all the questions too oh sorry let me do this again. It kicked me out. I timed out. I apologize to everyone. <clears throat> I also want to thank Tony Ray and Dr. Cushing for all their time and, and help on investigating this app. I want to thank Dr. Warren Wexman. And one of the other reasons why we are excited to have this app is that the support for this app is someone that is part of our school community and we feel very um, secure knowing that we're gonna receive the, um, receive the help that we need. So I answered no to all those questions and up comes, this is not my picture of course, uh, and it says you are good to go to school today. And of uh, whether or not you can come to school. I don't know where that, <laughs> I apologize. That, that's, sure. um, yeah, that's a, just a bomber. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Don't take it to heart. <laughs> so that's the Alphamed uh, app in a nutshell. We feel a lot of businesses are using something similar. Uh, again, for us in Medford Public Schools, it is a local support person who is part of our public school system with three children in our system. And so, of course, that person is definitely invested in this helping us. And um, again, it is something that we hope will help uh, promote the safety for all students and staff once we are in the building in whatever way it may be. I'm gonna hand it back to Tony Ray for any of the 
uh, other updates you may want to give. Thank you, Tony Ray. That was very helpful, Michael, going through and sharing your screen. Thank you. Um, and I hope that everyone in our community um, is getting a glimpse of how easy the app is to use. Um, we are asking that um, staff and families um, you submit the, their data every morning between 6 and 7.30 um, to get their clearance message um, on coming to school. If students and staff um, arrive at school sick or become sick during the school day, they will be dismissed um, home according to the school and Mass Department of Public Health regulations and asked to get COVID quest, uh, tested or quarantined for 14 days. And um, lastly, I, I want to stress that this is HIPAA compliant. It is secure. No data is saved on the app or in any other database. Um, I will get a report um, each morning of the, the um, red alerts as to who should not be in school, and the school nurses will be following up with families um, um, to, to make sure that um, nobody needs extra support or education. So we ask that all the Medford Public School community use the application faithfully and answer the questions truthfully safety of our school community as we reopen our schools to in-person learning depends upon everybody's participation. Thank you. If I may add one more thing, Tony, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the things that Dr. Wexelman said is the word that Tony just used is truthfully. Again, this is for the health and the safety of all the people in our school community. And that we ask that, you know, not only do people fill out this app on a daily basis, but also that we answer the questions truthfully. Again, thank you, Tony Ray, Dr. Cushing, for helping me through this. And thank you, Mayor and School Committee and Superintendent, for allowing me to speak tonight. Thank you, Mr. Downs. Thank you, Ms. Ray. We'll take any questions if, if there's time. I think you, you did a great job explaining. Thank you. Um, number three, report on HVAC oh, systems. Member, uh, Mayor, I just had a quick question. Oh, yep, Member Graham. Um, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> dinner has arrived. <laughs> um, so my question um, was really around um, how we think we will be able to enforce this and what we will do if people just simply don't use it for one reason or another. Um, I am concerned about that, and I, I'm not sure that there are really good answers, but I didn't know if you guys had thought through that when you were thinking about the app. Um, there are not very good answers. Jenny, you, you, are, you are right. We, we strongly encourage everyone to use it. Um, we, if we're finding we're getting a low turnout, um, we can ask um, – for additional reports from the company um, so that we can identify um, who is using it or who we, and who we need to reach out to. Um, but, we, but we're really um, encouraging everyone to use it. It's for the safe, health and safety of our whole community. Um, Michael or Peter, do you have anything else you can, you'd like to add about that? Um, and it's only going to the school nurse and to Tony Ray, this information. 
And if nothing else, if the information comes to the school nurse and she notices that some, let's say we do the hybrid model and we have two, we have three cohorts, A, B, and C, and there's somebody in cohort B that's coming to school that day and they have not filled that out, that may be an indicator for the school nurse to maybe do a check. Um, but it's not a perfect system. It's not, you know, nothing is perfect. Our goal is to, while promoting this in several languages, is to get as much uh, buy-in as we can. Again, this is for the health and the well-being of our entire school community, and we hope that that message uh, will be continuously sent out, um, you know, each week. And so um, that's the best we can do. Thank so you. We're, re we're really at a crossroads here too. We really need people. Um, while we might be physically distant, um, we really are reliant upon each other. Um, to have this duty to care for one another, um, to be wearing your masks, to fill out this survey um, daily, um, to be able to wash your hands and do all the things that, you know, Marion O'Connor and others are asking us to do because it's going to help get us through this as quickly as possible. Um, and so we really need people to um, step up and to demonstrate um, a real duty to care for one another, like hasn't been done probably since the 1940s, and to carry each one of us through this pandemic. Thank you. M Member Van Kloot. Uh, two things. Um, first, I, I certainly am supportive. Um, think it's a very interesting idea. However, I think I would like to send it to our attorney uh, for his um, uh, review, just to make sure um, that there are no complications uh, with asking parents and faculty uh, to do this. So I'd make a motion that we send this to attorney Howard Greenspan for his review um, and pending a successful uh, um, opinion from him uh, or a positive opinion that we then uh, move ahead. Offered by member Van Kloot, seconded by Second. member, member Rousseau. Um. I'd like to also uh, offer an amendment. Yes. Um, could we also, when we send it to him, um, ask him to uh, answer the question whether we could make this mandatory? Point of clarification, if I could, from through the chair from Miss um, Ray. Sure. Um, can you tell me, other than the obvious, how this data will be helpful to you? Um, is it just using a self check for people to know that you know they should not come under these circumstances, or how is this going to be helpful? Um, so. First, first, we anticipate that this will provide support to families and staff members. It's, it is a way going easy, um, you know, quick answers on several key questions gives you very strict guidance. And we think that will be helpful to families and, um, and staff. It does, knowing that, um, that we will get a, a report of who should not be in school, um, there, there's a chance for follow-up with those families. And that's very important um, in terms of maintaining a, uh, or decreasing the viral transmission in the school. Um, as we said, there's, there's no data that is stored. Everything is dumped every day. Um, so we, we 
will not be violating any HIPAA um, regulations. So the data goes strictly to you, is that accurate? Yes, it does. M myself and the building nurses. So um, if you are a Brooks School um, student, your, your data gets funneled to, to the Brooks School nurses. But and only, if only as a red, excuse me, only as a red alert if you should not be in school. And that provides the follow-up so that the nurses can verify against the attendance list and then follow up with families if children are coming to school when they should not be. Or okay. with staff as well. And okay. if I may add, we, it's going to be able to let us know. We're going to be able to give them the cohorts. By, so again, it's only by LACID. We're going to be able to give them what cohorts kids are on so that you know, if you're on cohort C and you're not even supposed to be in school, you're not going to get this red alert for a kid that's supposed to be in there. And they're moving forward faster than they are. They thought they could with um, differentiating symptoms for different things, but that's for a future conversation. And again, just for the community's point of information, um, um, thank you, Mr. Downs, Member uh, Mayor Ray. Um, but this information, obviously, your nurses, your school nurses, you're um, used to dealing with HIPAA regulations. You know that you're not obviously able to share information. I know this as well. I'm just putting it out there for the community to understand that this goes nowhere. Uh, it goes to a healthcare professional who is obliged not to share information outside of the purposes that you're speaking about. Thank you. Uh, motion by Member Vandekloot, amended by Member Rousseau, seconded by Member Rousseau, I would assume. Yes, uh, could Roll I call. just ask one clarification? Could you please tell me um, uh, the name? I don't have my uh, the agenda up at the moment. What is the name? It's called Alpha Med. Motion, uh, Member Graham. Can I just ask that the motion be read again uh, through the chair? Um, because I, I think that the mandatory is something that I want to think about for a moment. So would you mind reading the motion? Okay. Um, on the motion that we refer the Alpha Med COVID care um, program to our attorney for his review, and that we ask him to determine if we can make um, the use mandatory. Pending his positive report, we move to implement the program. Okay. Motion, yep. On that motion, Jenny Graham? Yes. Uh, Kathy Kretz? Yes. Melanie McLaughlin? Yes. Mia Mastone? Yes. Uh, Paul Rousseau? Yes. Paulette Vanderkloot, yes. Member Lungo Kern? Y yes, seven, the affirmative, zero, and the negative. The paper has, is approved. Now, Mayor? Yes, ma'am. Um, we didn't officially do it, but we um, uh, we heard the superintendent give her recommendation, mm -hmm. and then we I asked that we listen to the report. I'd like to return to the superintendent's recommendation, and I'd like to make a motion. Can we do that at this time? It's always waiting for oh, sorry. participation. Okay. So you want to go back to that, or do you want to hear about the HVAC or anything first? Um, uh, um, I, I think, I, I think my motion, um, is separate from HVAC or anything for, for, for 
you choose to do it. I would recommend that we let the community hear about the HVAC and um, the rest of the information and then have the community participation, but I would decide. Okay. That's I would say we do the reports. There's um, five more. Hopefully we can have people summarize um, so that we can move forward with community participation right after that based on the superintendent's recommendations. Okay. So report on HVAC system in Medford, John McLaughlin, for a brief update. Mr. McLaughlin, are you there? I'm unmuting him right now. One second. Oh, thank you, Dr. Cushing. Thank you very much. Good evening, Mayor Longo Kern, Superintendent Edward Vincent, and uh, members of the committee. So, our maintenance team has been working with Arctic Engineering. They're our HVAC contractor to systematically go through every roof exhaust band at all of our elementary and middle schools. The most, this is the most recent update. So the Brooks, McGlynn, and the Andrews, uh, we're, we're finishing up with the pots, and we're getting ready to move over to the Columbus and Roberts. Um, and I'm hoping my anticipation is to have that uh, work begin this week. At Mefford High School, we're currently working with our maintenance team in the Gone Green Electric. They are our electrical contractor, and they are compiling parts and stock lists to make the needed repairs to all of our ventilation fans on the high school roof. The Andrews School, so I think uh, many of you may know, we had a problem this uh, past summer with the DAU, which is the computer system that runs the whole HVAC system. So we, we uh, finally made the repair last week, and at this time, the contract is still on site. We're making minor adjustments to make sure that the, uh, that the HVAC uh, is back up and properly running. We're having a, um, uh, a compressor, not a compressor, but we're having a, um, <clears throat> an issue with a startup of one of the um, machines that gets it uh, going. So on a good note, we've, uh, we've actually hired uh, uh, WB Engineering, and uh, they are going to go through all of our ventilation equipment at Medford High School, and they're going to do a complete study, and we're going to have a report to follow um, on what we will want to try to do to maybe update or maybe fix or bring Medford High School uh, to where it needs to be ventilation wise, uh, wise and as, as well as Arctic Engineering and they are our HVAC contract and we're lining up um, the firm Mac Ritchie Engineering to go out and do all of the outside schools and right now they're currently working with uh, Western Public Schools and we'll be getting the price quote uh, shortly. I've been back and forth on emails and I've sent him out some schematics some building schematics so that he can look at it to see if he could get us an accurate price. So uh, if there's any questions, I'll do my very best uh, to answer um, anything that you may uh, want to talk about. Thank you, Mr. McLaughlin. Uh, if I could ask a question, I know we're talking ventilation, but are we doing air quality testing? That was my understanding. Well, we can certainly do that. Yes, we can. 
we can do that along with uh, engineering. Um, uh, it has, it, it did occur to me today that that would uh, be a, uh, a route that we would want to follow uh, to, to reassure mm -hmm. uh, teachers and parents that uh, air quality is good up in, in all of our buildings. Uh, the, uh, the only the only, the only difference with air quality is, is there's two types of air qualities. There's the type when the building's empty and the type when the building's occupied. Now we could, we've had, um, well, I've done a study at Medford High School, for instance, while the building was occupied in the cafeterias and the CO2 levels start to rise and we have to make sure that we have plenty of open windows and ventilation as well as done it when the building was not occupied and the air quality was absolutely perfect. So uh, there, there are two types of air quality issues that we certainly uh, need to address. And I think that the engineer would uh, be able to help us make sure that we get all of our vent, um, in, indoor ventilation fans, unit vents and um, filters and motors and everything that we need to maybe upgrade uh, our filters to uh, higher quality filters uh, that filter out more particles. So that's where it's, it's, it's all going to come into form <clears throat> because if I did air quality tests right now at any of the buildings, it'd be fine. I, I know that they would be fine. There would be, there would be nothing wrong with the air. It's just that we have to make sure that we can remove the right amount of air while the building's occupied. Thank you. We appreciate the update. Member Kretz. Hi, thank you for the report, Mr. McLaughlin. Um, I just wanted to know, so could you let us know, does the, is the engineers, are they going to also make sure that the heating and cooling, is that all the same, like the heating and cooling? Because I we got messages about some rooms that are either very right. very hot, or or is it enough heat, or they're they're freezing. Under a normal under a normal day, um, basically uh, um, our maintenance team we have two guys to cover a million square feet. Um, we're basically running around the city, um, putting out small. You know, and I had a couple today, as a matter of fact. Pushing out as well as it could be, so we went down. We try to address it, fi fix it. It's a case by case basis, school by school basis. Um, the HVAC and the heating and ventilation, you know, it's it, it's just a different mode. It's the mm -hmm. same equipment with it running in a different mode. So we turn off the AC, turn on the heat. All the fan coils and everything that's in the classrooms and in the ceilings all uh, runs both, and that's in the outside schools as well as the science lab, the pool and um, the media studio at Medford High School. Thank you. Um, could you also tell us um, how would you, you know, do the increase the in inside air or the outside air into the schools? Is that something that the engineers are going to help us with the filters? Well, yeah, what they will do, so there's, um, what the main, con the main concern is, when you upgrade the filters and they start to filter more air is that they tax the motors and the fans that they're, they're, they're running behind. So there's different amperages for the different motors. We're going to see, we're going to see if we can adjust our amperages, our motor speeds, maybe even the size of our pulleys to pull more air, to bring in 
uh, higher quality air filters. Uh, right now at the outside schools, we use what's called a MERV-8. Now, mm -hmm. the, 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 the catchphrase right now uh, uh, for all of our buildings is upgrading to a MERV-13, mm -hmm. which would be, uh, it, would, it would be equivalent, I, I would suppose, to almost a, like a HEPA type filter. Um, and then at the high school, uh, we use what's called a fiberglass filter. It's, uh, you know, it's just a filter that was original equipment when we opened up the building. So uh, as soon as the engineers can get in there, they can look at the motors, they can look at the fan speeds, they can, they can uh, start to diagnose. And, uh, and as one engineer put it to me, give us a cookbook at the end that we can follow and make the necessary adjustments, repairs, or whatever's necessary uh, to, you know, get where we need to be and get to where, um, you know, uh, people feel comfortable in our buildings and, and things of that nature. But you cannot, um, fresh air is the biggest and most uh, best thing that you can do for a building, which is open a window, open a door. I know, I know we don't want to, get into opening doors for obvious reasons, but you know, uh, uh, that is the absolute, yeah. the more fresh air we can bring in, the better off it's going to be. So that's really what the goal is going to be is to do what we can to get as much fresh air into these buildings as, as physically possible without any uh, jeopardization mm -hmm. of, you know, security or yeah. uh, uh, any of that. Uh, so, Member Kretz, if I can just share uh, my screen real quick for yeah. a diagram uh, that was actually shared with us by our engineers. Um, so just give me a second here. Um, so you'll notice right over here, uh, this comes out of a Harvard report, um, chiefly offered by a gentleman by the name of Joseph Allen. Joseph Allen. Uh, so first, uh, ventilate with outside air. Do you have an HVAC system? Uh, yes, open the system dampers. No, open the windows. Uh, increase filter efficiency. So if you have an HVAC system, uh, do everything you can to upgrade the system to MERV uh, 13. Uh, so we need to make sure that we get the appropriate MERV 13 filters so that we don't burn out our motors as Mr. McLaughlin just said. No. Three is supplement with portable air cleaners. So um, that is actually in our uh, Medford reopening version two. Um, so that it is there as well as the link, um, to does, and, and I know you already asked this, um, in another meeting, but does the kids corner have AC right now? Um, do you know that? Mr. We have, in the last few years, we've installed window units in the kids' corner of Mefford High School. Um, I'm trying to think. There's two. There's, I think we, I'm pretty sure we installed, there's at least one, but two in the infant area and two in the uh, space with the, uh, the kids that are a little bit older. But there are, yes, in, um, there are air conditioners. And we have some um, window units that we installed upstairs in the second floor of a building for uh, uh, some of the other programs that they're running. And will the engineers, like they're going to go everywhere and inspect every air, you know. They will inspect every inch oh. of that building because yep. I will be standing next to them making <laughs> sure that they inspect every inch of that building. Yep. Okay. I just 
had to ask. And the same thing at the uh, same thing at the outside schools as well. Um, our problems at the outside school are probably, uh, I mean, obviously the buildings are 30 years newer than our high school. So I don't anticipate, I don't anticipate too many uh, uh Issues. I know that there, we do have some fan motors that are burnt out in, in a few uh, locations, you know, uh, so we're in the process, like I said, of replacing them. Um, at Mefford High School, we have the maintenance team. They're up on the roof right now. They're taking down all the numbers of the roof fans because I, I had the electrician come in. So we got to get the pulley sizes and the number uh, of all of our exhaust fans to get our quote so that they can come in. And then um, what I decided to do was instead of wasting time trying to fix motors is replace them all. I'm just going to replace all of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll take the parts that are left over and save them to use for uh, that uh, have motors that are still in, in, in operation order. And then we'll store the parts and then we'll, and we'll use uh, the parts in the future uh, for any needs that we may have. Thank you very much, Sean. I'm all set, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McLaughlin. Um, up next, we have number four, remote, oh, sorry, report on EL summer program, Mr. Paul Texera. Hi, uh, good evening everyone. Uh, I submitted the report so everyone had a chance to read it, but uh, just to give you the highlights, we had about 56 students sign up for the summer enrichment program. We did add students, a few students throughout the course of the program. It ran from June 22nd until August 12th. Uh, I acknowledge the teachers and staff who uh, made this program possible because without them we wouldn't have had it. And that's May Abu Hassan at the McGlynn Middle School, uh, Lainey Cahill uh, at the Brooks, Amanda Davis from the Roberts, Sarah Dion from the McGlynn, Abby Harris who is one of our Leslie interns, Ann McDonough from the McGlynn Middle, Ghislaine Pinto, my administrative assistant, uh, Emily Pellini at the high school, Amira Soccer at the middle school, and Ami Sanya at the high school. Uh, without them, we couldn't have put this program together. We opted to do it 100% remote. Um, we got to kind of create our own guidance and guidelines on what that program would look like, and it was all funded through Title III. Thank you very much, Mr. Texera. Any questions? Mem Member McLaughlin? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Teixeira. How are you? Um, just um, double check with you on um, sort of the protocols that were followed for the program. I'm assuming all the students were kept safe, all the teachers were kept safe, everything. Yes, because we did it 100% remote. Um, Desi gave us the opportunity to do an in-person or a hybrid or remote. And, and, and for the reasons for safety, we decided to, to do it 100% remote. And you had, thank you, and you had the participation that you thought you would? Yes, actually the participation on the remote was higher than what it's been in previous summers. Excellent, thank you. Thank you again. 
Number five, updated report on extended school year programming, Ms. Joan Bowen and Ms. Campbell. Good evening. I'm happy to provide a report on the extended school year program that just concluded on Friday. Um, this year, the special education extended school year program had 170 students who were um, set to participate. Um, based on the guidance given by DESE, we identified 62 of these students as being most vulnerable. Um, this was based on the severity of their disability. Um, therefore, these 62 students were offered some in-person services in addition to remote instruction. 47 of these students opted to participate um, in the in-person services. The reasons that some families opted not to participate varied. Um, it ranged from things such as not feeling comfortable given the COVID-19 climate, um, to also feeling like if they wanted to participate, it would only be if it was a fully in-person program and not hybrid. Able to work in person with students were provided with COVID-19 training. They were provided with PPE. Cleaning supplies and schedules were established. Signage and social distancing measures were put into place, including place markers outside for students to wait for their, for their teachers. And the week of July 20th, we were able to welcome back some of our most vulnerable students um, for in-person appointments in very small groups. These were either individual sessions or two children with their educator. Before entering the um, building, um, each student had a parent or guardian fill out a COVID-19 symptom tracker form. This form asked if during the last 24 hours, the student had experienced any COVID-19 symptoms. So this is very similar to the app that was just reviewed by um, Ms. Ray, but this was on paper for the summer. If the students had had any of the symptoms, they would not have been admitted to the school building on that day. Um, and would have been followed up with by the nurse. Fortunately, that did not happen. Transportation for their own students and four families required transportation by the district. Um, any student who was provided with transportation by the district was provided in a van um, individually so that they, there was plenty of room for social distancing. In order to determine what worked well, for families, educators, related service providers, paraprofessionals, et cetera. There were surveys that were conducted the week of August 3rd and parents, guardians, and caregivers were asked questions such as, how did your child receive their instruction this summer? Did they receive their instruction remotely, in person, or a combination? And then they were asked follow-up questions. What worked well for you remotely? What could be improved remotely? What worked well for you if you were in person? What could be improved in person? Is there anything else you'd like to share? A very similar survey went out to all of the staff members, again, asking the same types of questions. The surveys were open for one week. 32 families completed the family survey and 26 Medford Public School staff completed the staff survey. The survey results are recorded verbatim in the written report, so they're there for your review. Um, in the interest of time, I'm just going to summarize the trends that emerged. Based on the family survey, families found that receiving packets 
materials or binders ahead of time was very helpful. Many families praised their teacher, the related service providers, paraprofessionals for their engagement, holding their child's attention, and their willingness to help. I also want to really praise the teachers there for all of the work they did ahead of time to provide binders to each of the students so that they had that information ahead of time. Parents also stated that having a consistent schedule made remote learning easier to access. And conversely, some families said that remote instruction simply does not work for their child. In addition, individual student needs were noted. For example, some parents indicated that the pace of instruction was too fast, and other parents indicated that the pace of instruction was too slow. Um, similarly, some families requested more individual remote time and others asked for more social remote time. In terms of in-person um, sessions, several families indicated that in-person instruction worked well for their child. The parents said that they felt confident in the PPE and the drop-off and pick-up procedures were very smooth. Um, and having direct interactions with their teachers and related service providers was a positive. Um, however, numerous individuals stated that they would like more in-person time and that they would also like to have larger groups of children for socialization rather than just having very small groups or one-on-one. -on -one. Review of the staff surveys indicated that many found having a consistent schedule and time for planning very helpful. Many staff members reported that they, like I said, created the individual binders or materials and submitted them to the, um, to the families ahead of time so that they were ready for instruction. Um, others indicated they used their preparation time to create asynchronous videos and they posted them on multiple platforms because some families were able to access things on Classroom Dojo better than Facebook, better than Google Classroom, et cetera. The use of online tools and screen sharing and giving virtual screen controls to students was very successful. Um, however, um, the teachers did still indicate the same as the families that some students had difficulty engaging remotely and they required a high level of parent support. Um, they indicated that remote instruction requires much more planning time than in-person instruction and that at times internet connections were problematic. In response to questions about in-person instruction, Many educators indicated that it provided them with an excellent opportunity to collect data and work individually with students, and that their students were very attentive during one-on-one -on -one instruction. Um, the staff were happy with the PPE that was provided. However, many indicated that the cleaning between sessions was problematic um, due to the time it took and also the smell of the cleaning agent. Um, teachers indicated that the one-on-one -on -one sessions did not allow for interaction for their students. However, they also expressed concerns about how safe they would feel to, if they had many students in the classroom at the same time. So in closing, I really would like to publicly thank the teachers, the for provided IEP services this summer. We are also extremely grateful for Ms. Ray, Mr. McLaughlin, and all of the custodians who provided um, all of the work in cleaning um, constantly throughout the day. This could not have happened without all of their help. And the ESY period presented many unique challenges this summer. And I really want to just say that the staff did a phenomenal job meeting and exceeding expectations. And last 
Um, I was really happy that they provided so much feedback and their flexibility was invaluable. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Campbell. Um, mem Member McLaughlin. Thank you. Thank you for the report. I'm glad to hear things went really well. I was hearing great reports from families as well. And thank you to the staff. And again, I'm assuming everybody was uh, safe and there's no positive test. No, you know, just want to reiterate that everything went well and it was a good model um, for that kind of learning. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Yes. Thank you. If there's no further questions, we can go on to number six, updated uh, mayor. Yes, member member Graham, and then member Sorry. Kretz. Sorry, I'll be I'll be quick. Um, Susanna, thank you um, for all your hard work. I actually was working with somebody who was doing ES ESY services on the task force, and um, she was so thankful that um, everything went as smoothly as it did. And I also was on calls with you where you were manning the door in full PPE, and I know just how hard. Um, all of that was, and it's a huge credit to everybody who participated that um, we were able to provide these services and to do it safely. Um, so thank you. Member Kratz. Thank you. Yes. Hi. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. It was a very um, comprehensive report. I, I, I think the program went very well. Um, I enjoyed reading um, the frequently asked the questions and the, the survey responses. Um, and I just, I had a question because I saw something in there that I didn't recognize. What is a class tag? I, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. It's, I guess it's on page 11, like on Zoom, class tag, and pre-recording. I wasn't familiar with that, so I was just curious. So that's just another online platform. Mm -hmm. Teachers had tried out various platforms throughout the year, and that is similar to some of the others you may be familiar with, like Google Classroom or Classroom Dojo. It's just another platform mm -hmm. that teachers can use to present lessons. Okay, thank you very much. And I really enjoyed reading some of the um, helpful tips like for the proper Zoom etiquette for the student, you know, for the students, reminders, um, uh, you know, for work not completed, you know, for the week. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a learning curve for everybody and um, making the lessons a little bit longer. Um, I, I just thought it was a great report. Um, you know, for the extended learning. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Kretz. Um, Member Rousseau, did you have a hand up? Member Rousseau. Yes, thank you, sorry. Uh, I just wanted to um, also thank you for this report, but also um, as a parent who has had experience with, with extended year services this summer, um, I was impressed with how um, they improved significantly as the summer went on. Um, and I, I, that was, um, that that gave me a lot of confidence that um, that um, it wasn't like here's the plan we're just going to stick to it no matter what it felt very iterative and um, and I know that in my household where the services were happening um, it got easier to actually keep going because they were getting better and they were uh, they, they just matched better with what the what the student was needing so I I was very very happy. So, 
Thank you again. Thank you. Number six, updated report on budget 2020-2021. Mr. Andy Paquette. Uh, good evening, members of the school committee. Uh, you have in your packet the budget update as of August 14th for FY21. Uh, I, too, want to take this time to welcome attorney Dave Murphy to Medford, uh, even though I've been here only a month and a half, uh, and he's been on for about two weeks. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with him as we have been. Uh, what we've been doing now for 21 is going through all uh, the contracts and personnel uh, and doing what I like to say for all intents and purposes over the summer of re recreating the budget. Uh, as I mentioned in the, the brief memo, grant, grant funds have been released. So, uh, for example, last week, uh, David and I met with the special education department to talk about the special education grants. Uh, and things of that nature, and uh, we'll be doing the same with all the other grant administrators. Uh, met uh, a couple times now with vocational uh, school administrator and support staff to uh, Ms. Panzanini to go over some vocational uh, issues, and uh, we'll be coming back to you, obviously, as the year progresses uh, with, I'll say, more robust uh, reporting on activity of uh, financial nature that we'll be sharing with you. And I can answer any questions if there are any. Any questions? Member Vandekloot? Yes. Can you tell us how we look at the, uh, for the end of year? Uh, yes, that was actually in uh, the motion that was leaning up issues of some uh, activity that was in one of the supporting documents of where the balance was at the end of the year, plus uh, addressing some uh, misposting of activities to grants that the district didn't receive. Uh, so the ins and outs of all that resulted in us having a positive $27,800 remaining in the general fund budget, which uh, I then based on your vote, will be sharing with the city auditor that we will be, doing a journal entry to move those funds with a reclass of expenses out of circuit breaker to the local budget to zero that out. So uh, that's where the FY20 has ended. Um, we're still doing some review of some of the, the grant activities uh, with uh, some of the issues that seem to be as far as uh, carryover of, uh, in particular, the title grants, title one, title two, title three, but uh, for all intents and purposes, FY20 ended uh, positively. And as we proceed, I will be showing uh, it's part of, I'll say two things, the normal way that uh, I like to present financial information to school committees, but also it is going to be, I'll say, an out, outcome of the financial review that we're doing for you. So bottom line is we ended with 27800 in the general fund, which we've reclassed uh, appropriate expenses based on the vote of the school committee of circuit breaker funds so that we can carry over that 27,800 and change uh, in circuit breaker. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, member Rousseau. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. Paquette for this report. Um, I am 
I am um, ecstatic to get a report that I have been sort of trying to get for a while and um, effectively a burn report, I guess, is what it's sometimes called. So that we really have a sense as we per per uh, proceed through the year, how we are doing against our budget. Um, that's uh, something I get at the shore. Uh, collaborative and I, I greatly appreciate it. it gives me a real sense of where we are um, you know because uh, at the end of the day we're responsible for that and not knowing where we are until we're already not there anymore and we're out the other end is is um, the wrong time to discover that something's not where we need to be so a, a lot of words there but I just greatly appreciate this report and uh, making sure we I don't want any big surprises because other districts have had big surprises that are not good scenes. I, I would I would agree, and that's the last thing that we want. Um, and I would say also when I mention about more robust reporting, um, again going on giving a sneak preview of best practices and part of our operational review. And admittedly, I don't know if you've got this type of always able to report everything in summer you know levels of varying levels of detail but you'll be getting uh from us monthly reports that show the general fund budget we can sort it out by cost centers as you know we're able to but including grants and revolving accounts so that you can see you know the in summary form the activity from the grants uh, so that you're fully aware of all sorts of that activity. It goes to, uh, as I think I've mentioned previously, uh, one of the, when I was listening in on the public hearing on your budget, there was discussions about, you know, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, oh, that was paid out of grants. And so, you know, that's not included here. And, you know, our approach is, you know, I'll say the all funds approach to budgeting, but then also the all funds approach to reporting so that you as a school committee can see all the activity, warts and all. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number seven, report on return to school parent survey, Dr. Cushing, Ms. Galusi, and Mr. Malachewski. Okay, uh, I'm gonna share my uh, screen here real quick. So um, back in June, uh, we sent out a survey to all the families in the district um, to kind of get a sense of where their thinking was on some topics um, related to returning to school. Um, obviously, in the two months since, or actually less than two months, a lot has changed um, as we're in this ever-changing cycle of um, a global pandemic. And so uh, one of the things that we did was we wanted to take into consideration uh, through um, a survey. Uh, it was non-binding. Uh, it's actually still open for anyone who has not participated. Um, but we wanted to make sure that parents had an opportunity to give their sense of where their thinking is um, starting last week. And so one of the things, um, just give me a second here. There we go. Um, so we set up some overarching goals of the survey. 
so as to provide a lot of data um, for us. Uh, so did parents want hybrid or remote? Um, parents, guardians, caregivers, what was their need for childcare? Uh, that was a motion made by a member of this committee. So really trying to get a sense of that need for childcare. One of the major concerns for us in the operations realm uh, was the situation surrounding transportation. As you know, our operational capacity of our buses have been reduced by 68%. Uh, maximum uh, three uh, elementary uh, children to a seat uh, for 77 students is reduced down to 25 students on a bus um, with all windows open regardless of weather. So transportation was a major concern of ours and we wanted to get a true sense of where parents were with that. Um, as part of our reopening plan, transportation by buses has been pushed outside of, uh, has been pushed to two miles portal to portal. Uh, what medical conditions might people have? This was an optional question um, that people had the option to say, I choose not to respond. Uh, before and after school plans, uh, to try to get a true sense of what people's after school needs would be. Um, where people were with electronic devices, because while the district has uh, purchased electronic devices, um, there are a lot of places that have purchased devices and there are some delays in getting things in. And then also where are people's internet uh, capacity? So um, last year we knew that we had several families, 35, who needed internet um, support. We have purchased and were delivered to the district one week ago today. Uh, 50 T-Mobile hotspots that we will be able to distribute to families. Those hotspots can host up to 15 devices each. Um, so we'll be able to offer those to our families. And if need be, we'll purchase more as needed. Um, so I want to hand it off now. Um, by the way, the survey got a tremendous response. Um, actually kind of overwhelming given... A survey in a school district, but I'll hand it off to Ms. Galusi at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can see here from the screenshot that at about 6 p.m. this evening, we had uh, 3,486 um, people responding uh, on the English version of the survey. Uh, that is what is displayed here, which is showing that about 62% uh, of families reporting would like to see a their children return in a hybrid approach. Um, this survey was also sent out in four other languages. So for the Spanish currently at this exact time, 72 uh, respondents to that survey with about 52% choosing the hybrid model. For the Portuguese survey, there were 235 current responses with 65% of them um, requesting a hybrid one responses with 47% um, choosing a hybrid approach. And the Haitian Creole, currently there's only seven responses, but 100% um, for hybrid. I think it's important to note that part of the process that we're going to look through now is to ensure that all of these responses um, are in fact not duplicated. We want to make sure that there, some families didn't go back and complete the survey twice so that we can really authenticate the numbers. Um, in addition, 
the next level is making sure that principals are reaching out to families that we can see have not uh, completed the survey and giving reminders. I know several emails and robocalls and text messages were sent out to families to remind them that if they have not yet in completed the survey to please do so. Um, and now Tom Nowachewski is going to explain the outreach as of this point for forward.